Hello, this is Eric, your DM, and welcome to The Punch Bowl, the third episode of our interview segment on Join the Party. Even on our off weeks, I'm thinking about D&D, like what class Roman Mars probably would be. I'm going to go with Sorcerer with an Audiomance origin and a feat of a really, really deep gravelly voice. But I'm also thinking about what it's like to be a player in 2017 and beyond. So I figured I'd put that to good use and talk to those who are pushing the game forward, creatively, communally, socially, just doing good work. The game store is the heart of any gaming community. Yeah, you can buy your books off Amazon or someone can send you a ripped PDF from the web, but a game store gives you more than just a DM screen at a reasonable price. It is a homing beacon for gamers, a real-life place that exists by the sheer power of gaming excitement. It is a center, a base, a home. And no one takes this homecoming more seriously than Lauren Blanco, the co-owner of 20 Sided Store in Brooklyn, New York. We sat down in the gaming play space in the back of 20 Sided Store and talked about the rebirth of 5th edition, community building for all players, and how to sell Dungeons and Dragons without scaring away the customer. This is Lauren and I at the Punch Bowl. Walk me through where you found D&D. I never played in like grade school or high school or anything. I had all younger sisters. But, you know, I've always been a storyteller. I've always made movies. I've always, like, kind of written, even, you know, playing things with my sisters. Like, you know, things that, like, now I'm, like, we're definitely role-playing. We just didn't have, like, official rules for them. And I moved to New York, and my first group of friends, we used to all sit around a table at what we called Fort Awesome. It was a big loft apartment here in Williamsburg. (laughs) And my friend Arun is like, you've never played D&D? You would be so amazing you need to play D&D with us. You cannot read the Dungeon Master's Guide, but you're going to take my AD&D player's handbook home with you, and we're going to build a character, and we're going to play. And I was like, all right. And I literally <laughs> read the book cover to cover, and then, of course, a game never happened. But <laughs> <laughs> Always. That's always the thing. <laughs> right? But the crazy part about it is that, like, I finished reading, and I was really excited about it, and I came home that night, like, a couple nights after I had, like, read the whole book and gave it back to him, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to play. Let's get this game going. And there was a D&D starter box thrown out in the garbage, sitting on top, like on the lid, on the garbage can right outside my apartment with the dice still in it. So my first no. set of dice, which I still have, are from, like, and it's just like, it wasn't even the dice that came in the game. They were just like a mismatched hodgepodge of somebody's dice. That's amazing. You had yeah. like the juju on it already. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I got the <laughs> dice. I read the player's handbook. I know what character I want to play. And then it didn't happen until like a couple years later and my friend, you know, was just like, oh, you want to play D&D? Yeah, let's do it. And then we had like a five-year campaign. Five years? Yeah. Just right off the bat? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Who, who, was, who was your character? Well, so it wasn't exactly Dungeons and Dragons. It was <laughs> GURPS. And oh, nice. Yeah. So I read the AD&D handbook for nothing, but that's okay, you know. But yeah, we played GURPS and we did a lot of like, I sat with the Dungeon Master, my friend Troy, and we built characters, and then I never saw my character sheet again after that. Like, he kept the character sheets, and it was just, like, very, like, role-playing based. I mean, I guess he says all the time we roll dice all the time. I don't – I literally don't even remember rolling (laughs) dice. I just remember my friend Jaime would, like, bring his set of dice, and it was a D6 system, but he would always bring his full set just because he felt like – 
he couldn't play D&D without the full set sitting there on the table. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so it was great. But it was set in the, like, 1920s in New York City because he decided, well, we're all kind of beginner players, so set it in a map where we're all familiar with. And we all start off with two characters because he thought it was going to be super deadly, kind of Cthulhu-y. So I was like this high society woman who was a physicist, sort of Tesla era. I wanted (laughs) to, yeah, and like you know, we kept getting into like total shenanigans, and I was like, we need a way to communicate. So I was like, I want to build a walkie-talkie, and so literally, it took almost our entire campaign for me to build this one-way wave radio that like only worked five mile radius and one of the devices had to be stationed at my house and the other one was portable it literally took the whole campaign that is so cool though that feels like such an artifact or like a a godly thing and i kept thinking he would he was forgetting about it so like every session i'd be like okay where am I at with the, <laughs> how far am I working on this thing now? You know, and it, yeah, really the payoff felt really good. I was like, all right, this is cool. What I loved about when we were building the characters was you had this kind of like point system. So the more awesome things you wanted, you had to take all these like flaws. Okay. Every time you spent something on like some really cool ability, you'd have to like have a smoking habit or like, you know, like some, <laughs> some other thing, like weird quirk. I mean, like, same in my life. It's like, yeah, I want to start a podcast, but I also am never going to go to the gym ever again. That's my new flaw. (laughs) (laughs) So having something so flexible, and I think even with 5e, there's a lot of flexibility to put that stuff even into Dungeons & Dragons. Absolutely, yeah. I did some research. Oh, yeah? And you said one of my favorite ways that anyone has explained 5e. I just want to read it real quick. You call it the glue of all the editions. No matter what edition you started on, no matter what edition you really love playing, 5th edition has a little bit of that in it. And over the years, Dungeons & Dragons is like a tree where everything piled on and on and on, edition, 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 and added more stuff and added more stuff. And all of a sudden, the top of the tree couldn't withstand the weight, and it ripped the roots right out, and then wizards had to fix it. And I think that's so great. You think about a game system being like a tree, and then eventually it falls over. Yeah, it just couldn't withstand the weight of its own like what it had grown to become, you know? So rebuild that core, you know, everything's based on the six ability stats and proficiency bonus. Now, anytime you want to think about anything that you want to add to your game, you're just like, which ability set would that relate to? Cool, like now I can figure out. So if you want to homebrew or you want to do whatever you want to do, it makes super intuitive sense. Yeah, when I read that, I was just like, yes, 5e is like the canoe that you whittle out of this fallen tree, <laughs> and now you can like steer it wherever you want. Yeah, I literally <laughs> say that every day. I, I think in what it really is that people are afraid of change, mm. and so you know, the minute a new thing comes out, you got to immediately just say all the things that you're unhappy about with it, right? And so my whole thing is turning that around and talking about like, well, let's talk about all the positive things about it and all the things that it brings to it. So sure, you don't like that it changed because you got used to playing this older edition and you felt comfortable with that. But think about all the things you can do now that it just makes so much more sense for all the people that you want to bring into the game and everything else that you want to do with it, you know? So you can still play the way you used to play. Like that hasn't changed. So now you got more. Exactly. And it's easier. Yeah. I'm such like a 5e person. I learned on 5e. I can't imagine going back to a board at all. 
And I mean, like, I've even played 5e on a board, and it's just like, that's cool, and I'm glad that I got the chance to do it with that DM, but I can't imagine going backwards. And when 4 came out, I was like, oh, 4 is so easy. Like, 4 made the rules seem like, I understand how this works, but mm. I think there was this assumption that everybody who's going to play 4th edition has played D&D or knows what D&D is, so they didn't, like put a lot of the flavor into it. Mm. And then everybody's like, oh, it's just like a video game or, you know, this or that. But I think the idea that like now 5th edition sort of entwines the flavor with the rules, it's just, it's all there. And I think in 4th edition it was all there, but you had to work a little bit harder to imagine it because you had to think about flavorfully what those numbers and what those mechanics mean. So even if like just figuring out just sort of the rules was easier, but now... D&D isn't just about the rules, right? Like, yeah. rules are meant to be broken, and it's about everything else that we're adding in this, like, shared storytelling experience. And so, at the end of the day, if the rules don't support what it is everybody's trying to do, those rules go out the window, you know? I mean, I'm smiling because as the DM, I just kind of be like, man, you guys do cool shit, please. Yeah. So it's like you're affirming my own DMing. Yeah. No, my favorite thing is like, I just sort of like look across the table and if somebody wants to do something super ridiculous, if everybody else at the table is like big wide-eyed, <laughs> like, oh my God, that would be so cool. We have to see that happen. I'm like, done, you do it. And if everybody's like rolling their eyes, like, oh man, this again. <sighs> you know, then I'm like, okay, make me a couple checks. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love this store. Right now we're recording in 20-sided store. I live in Brooklyn. This is the closest board game store to me. And I've picked up a bunch of stuff. I bought my first dice set here right from the, the rack over there. What did you expect running a game store in Brooklyn? And then how is that different in the reality? Yeah, well, okay. So this is also a whole nother story. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm ready. You have the microphone in front of you. I'm here for it. I never thought that I was actually going to be part of this. Luis was running magic events and started a space with his friend Alice. So I, since like 1999, lived next door where Emmy's Pizza is now. But that used mm. to be my studio and my apartment. And one day I was like on my way to a photo shoot. And a good friend of mine who was a realtor is like standing out front this space here. Uh, where 20 Sided is now, wearing a suit at like 8 a.m. And this is like a friend of mine who, A, I've never seen in a suit. And B, like is not up at that time of day. Like as far as I know, he's not a morning person. And I'm like, what are you doing standing in front of my apartment with a suit? And he's like, oh, well, you know, didn't you know, like we're trying to, you know, rent out this space next to you. And I was like, what? I was like, Luis has been looking for a space for his store forever. And he's like, oh, uh, um, okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to call you tonight. And I was like, okay. And then, like, literally, like, two weeks later, we opened the store. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, no joke. Like, we <laughs> it just was like, it just happened. And I was like, Luis, don't worry about it. We got this. All the money that I've been saving for this film I've been making, like, I'll just throw it into the store. And I'll just work there because at the time, we were primarily an event space. Monday through Friday, we were open, I think, from like 6 to midnight or 5 to midnight or something. So I was like, I'll just book my shoots in the morning. I'll come in. I'll run the store until you get off of work. And then, so like in our minds, I was going to still, you know, be doing photography full time. He was going to still be doing programming full time. And like within like a week, this became our full time job. You That's know? crazy. <laughs> That's so, so, so like your expectation was, I'm not going to work here. And what happened was, you're now running a now gaming I'm just store. Like full on, all about it. This is my life now. But yeah, I mean, it's just, 
my family's in the food business, cafes, mm. restaurants, that sort of thing. So I was like, in my mind, I was like, well, games, cafes, they're not that different. So like the whole model of starting this business was really the same as like what my experience was running cafes. And, you know, I just kind of have a knack for selling things and talking to people about things and it just kind of happens, you know. I can't believe you gave up the money for this movie to like do this thing that was totally yeah totally and that, different. It's all shot. It still needs to be edited. <laughs> <laughs> one day it's gonna happen. One day it's gonna come out. Working title ST three. I don't know what the real title is gonna be, but <laughs> Science Team three will one day become a real thing. Just keep your eye out for it. <laughs> Truly, the foundation of this game store is artistic endeavors. But do you feel like your artistic ideas bleeds into like your gaming? Absolutely. Or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. like how? I've always sort of liked the narrative aspects of storytelling. Mm. And instead of making movies right now, I'm just doing it in writing for the D&D adventures. Right. So everything that I would have been putting in to sort of my creative storyboarding work for that just goes into storyboards for D&D adventures and making little zines that we sell here in the store. And they're projects that are quicker, easier to produce, and reach way more people who are, I think, directly interested in exactly that, Mm -hmm. just because it's like the whole outlet of everything is kind of all intertwined. So it's like there's already a built-in audience where, you know, sometimes with my other work, you make it first and then you figure out who your audience is. But in this case, I'm like making work specifically for this audience, Mm. which is really challenging for me as an artist and as a writer. And to me, it doesn't really feel that different. I feel like I'm just doing all the same stuff. I'm just the outcome of the way that it actually gets out into the world is just filtered a little bit differently. In the Vice article, you talked a little bit about the gender makeup of people here. You said that the gender makeup was about 60% male and 40% female. Is that like the most noticeable thing about the people who play games here? Or is there something else that stands out just about the players who play at 20-sided store? So I put out a questionnaire to anybody who's on our email list, you know, sort of across the board of like, why do you play in a public space? Like, why not just play at home? Right. The most common answer that I got was to meet people. Mm. And so I think what I'm coming to realize is that what we're doing here and why we're able to get the perspective of having more females engaging in a public space to play rather than just playing in their homes is that we created an environment that's super welcoming. I randomize the seating every week so there's no clicks that are happening. I really try to encourage people meeting new people and socializing with other people. And also, that way you don't get stuck with somebody that maybe you don't like for six or eight weeks, too. Like, you know that, like, okay, I'm going to this public place and I'm risking my comfort zone to be in a room of strangers where maybe I don't feel that comfortable. I'd much rather just be at home and play with my good friends and Mm -hmm. drink some beers and just know that like it's just cool and there's no pressure and there's you know no anxiety involved. And I think this and this stems for males and females or just anybody, right? Like we all have these sort of insecurities when you're sort of going into a public place and feeling like you're kind of on the spot. And so we try to just make that as casual and as like beginner friendly as possible especially for the role-playing games and the board games. Tournaments, you know, obviously, like, you need to know a little bit about it. It's in a competitive atmosphere, and those are just literally marketed differently. And so I'm trying to sort of brand our events so we have, like, the socials and the spotlights and the socials, whether it's a magic social or a D&D social 
or a board game social is going to all be about learning how to play, meeting new people, and just sort of feeling comfortable in this space. And I think that that's the start, you know? I don't know what the final solution is. I think that it still is tough. Right now, our backspace is sort of closed off, and I do that for multiple reasons, but in the beginning, you'd come into the retail store and you could just see right into the gameplay space. And I think that was also kind of intimidating for people. Right. As a player, you don't want people watching, especially if you want to get into doing the voices and you want to get into doing those kind of things. Like, you don't need just somebody who's shopping up front, peeking in and listening in. What it does is it sort of creates this feeling of like, okay, like, I'm in like this space where everybody who's back here is doing the same thing. We're all in it together. Mm -hmm. There would be these times where we would have these tournaments that would be, for whatever reason, no females would have signed up for it. And so you just see this like sea of men. And then Luis is working the front counter and he'd call me down from wherever I am, just be like, could you just come and just be in the store? (laughs) Because, you know, just anybody comes into the retail and then we don't sell games because, you know, A woman comes in to just buy a board game and is just like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not in the right store. I want to know about the X card. That was something that I I also read in the article and I thought was really interesting. So can you tell me about the X card? Yeah, absolutely. And this is not something I invented in any way, shape, or form, but realized it was super crucial. So what the X card is and what it represents, whether it's physically on the table or not, is just the idea that at any moment, at any time, if you want to change the subject for whatever reason you can just tap the X card. And so that's also just kind of going back into the comfort zone thing. So role-playing games can, you know, you're slaughtering people and you're cutting their heads off and you're describing your kill where blood is gushing all over a wall, you know, and depending upon the context and where you are and what's happening, I mean, maybe that triggers some memory of something that happened in your life and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, X card, you know, and that's an extreme situation. I mean, maybe it's just as simple as like, okay, this banter is going on for too long and this is making me uncomfortable. Let's move on, you know? So the person who introduced it to me was also saying, like, the DM usually uses it more than the players use it. But I think even if it never gets used at all, just the fact that it's there and that it was mentioned at the start of the game also just kind of makes everybody feel a little bit more relaxed. I just didn't even know the mechanics of how it worked. Yeah. Like, I didn't know if it was, like, a card you take off the board to, like, identify the staff or if it was, like, a gameplay mechanic. But it sounds like it's, like, a lot more It's like a social contract. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think... Like, I have it in our bin of DM tools, and it's literally never been put on the table since, like, probably the first year we were open and I first introduced it. I think now it's just kind of, like, the DM just sort of says, Hi, I'm your DM. We have this thing, the X card kind of thing. It's just, it's just like the idea of it. Right. We've hit on this a little bit, but I think you've thought critically about making a safe space for everyone to participate. Why is it a priority for you to create a safe space for all gamers? This is another story I'll tell about Please. when I was in high school and I was really into, I'm going to date myself here, but I was really, really into underground punk rock music before I had any, <laughs> I, you know, before the internet, before I could like just Google a band right. and, you know, look up things. So the only way to do it was to go into a record shop and flip through the bins. And at the time, it was just rock. Everything was rock. There was no metal. There was no punk. There was no hip hop or, you know, none of the genres were defined, right? right. So... You know, you flip through and you find the album that you think is the one and you're way too nervous and embarrassed to ask the really cool person behind the counter if this was actually something I was going to go home with. And it was like my only 20 bucks that I was blowing on like, 
these three albums or whatever, and yeah. then I get them home, and it's like not at all what I thought it was. At, you know, I was just like judging it based on the art or kind of mm. an idea. And then, you know, so many times I was just like, oh, only if I would have just asked. But like, I just didn't feel comfortable to ask. And right. I never want anybody to come into my store and feel uncomfortable. Most of the people that come in here don't know all these titles, literally haven't played a game since like Monopoly. On our sign-up sheet, it says RPG. And no people are like, what is RPG? Like, it's not a household concept, you know? I mean, hopefully we'll get it to there. But, you know, we used to joke, it's like, okay, well, if you ask somebody if they've ever played a board game, they're like, oh yeah, sure, you know, Scrabble, Monopoly, whatever. What about Dungeons and Dragons? It's like, well, you know, I've heard of it, but I never played, you know, like my older brother played or, you know, some friends play, but like, you know, they never let me like in their group or whatever. So it was always this kind of thing that I was like never allowed to do. Do you know Magic the Gathering, which is the other thing that we kind of focus on here? Nobody's heard of it. But at the time, too, that was our whole, you know, Luis was running magic events and magic tournaments and our whole business sort of was modeled around Magic the Gathering. Sort of the board games and the role playing stuff kind of came after the fact. And so it's just crazy to think that you can build an entire business about a game that nobody's ever even heard of. I mean, now, you know, now that we've been in business for six years and, you know, Wizards of the Coast has been working really hard to, you know, make with uh, video games and other things, making them a little bit more mainstream. But six years ago, it was still sort of like, what? When you're in this world and, or just in anything, when you're, when you're serious about something and you do something all the time, you forget what it's like to come at it never having done it before. Yeah. You know, you forget that these terminologies and these words that you're just throwing out there mean nothing to somebody who's not immersed in it. There's this idea that anybody who comes in the store, I immediately want to be like, ask me any questions. I'm assuming that when you come in here, you don't know any of this stuff. And if you do, awesome. But if you don't, I'm here to help. And as someone who has talked to you for about 15 minutes just about Sentinels on the multiverse, I can definitely <laughs> say so. You can just talk about anything. So, <laughs> Please, I mean, I'm sure you have those conversations with anybody. I mean, people are like, do you have any two-player games? And you're like, do we? And they're like, really? I just didn't even think that that was even a thing, that that even existed. Exactly. You know? They're like, let me show you 20. And they're like, okay, now I'm overwhelmed. And you're like, okay, I'll back off. It's like, here's, here's Hive. Just buy Hive. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw the story that you told about there was a kid running around a coffee shop and you were working on a campaign. His mom was like trying to pay or just like and couldn't yeah. keep track of him. And you showed him the monster manual. Oh, yeah. No, it was amazing. Yeah, so, tell me, please yeah, tell yeah. me more about that. So I always go to the lodge up on the corner and uh, it was actually the owner's wife and she's got like so many kids and it was like, and I think it was like last day of school or something. So not only were her her kids, it was like all these other kids and they're oh, all running man. around and she's trying to like gather everyone. And, and I was just working on a thing. And so I just was like, hey, guys, why don't you come sit over here and take this book, you know? <laughs> so her son takes it and he just is like flipping through the pages and he's just screaming. He can't even read. And he's like, ah, you know, like, oh, my gosh, like this is the most amazing thing. And like every page, like he's just getting super excited and getting louder. And he's like immersed in it for like literally he flipped every single page mm. and, you know, was sitting still for 10, 15 minutes. And she was like, he doesn't sit still for anything ever, like ever. And actually that sort of spawned me asking people, like, how did you first get into D&D? The majority of people that I asked said the Monster Manual. Thinking about that, have you had any other experiences with D&D, anything that's happened with 20-sided store that have just, like, affected you 
you might have started this kid's love of D&D. Sure, yeah, And yeah, starting yeah. that all forward. Yeah, there are people that were afraid to tell their friends that they played Dungeons and Dragons or mm. kind of kept it in the basement, so to speak, right? And so, like, now we've made playing these kind of games cool. And not just 20-side store, but I think, you know, it's happening everywhere, which is also exciting. But that's the idea is that, like, wear it, you know, like show it off, be proud that you're into these things and be proud that you're excited about these things. I never really think about it until like a customer comes back to me and is like, tells me these stories about their lives, you know, so really being able to like, I'm not always like aware of how I'm affecting people or touching their lives or influencing their things. I mean, for me, I do it because I'm passionate about it and I love it and I want other people to love it. But when people come back to me and Tell me their experiences. I feel like you just need to interview all my customers and ask them that question. I'll have to. I'll come. <laughs> I'll come through and hit them up at some yeah, point. Yeah. I promise. Running the events is. It's not like it's the most profitable. It's not profitable, but it's generating the community and the environment and everything that kind of goes along with it is where then it makes it worth it to do it financially. But sure. it's so rewarding to do it. Just on a personal level. And so I've been writing, I mean, I haven't written an article in a while. I actually have one in the queue that I want to write for Wizards of the Coast called Master Dungeon Master. Mm. And it's not about me being the Master Dungeon Master. It's Master comma Dungeon Master. Like, I'm talking to you, Master Dungeon Master. I have a question for you. But the idea is that what we do in a store is different than what you do at home and what you do in a convention. Mm. And it's about people coming together and being able to meet people and, you know, all the things we talked about already. Sure but that other stores can do this too. So what I really enjoy is saying, okay, I figured out these things and we didn't know anything when we started and there aren't really any tools out there for stores. There's a ton of information for doing something for home play or doing something for conventions, but there's nothing out there for other stores like me who are trying to get this organized and trying to do things like this. And it's a lot of work and it can be really grueling and really grinding And, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes you're like, oh, this was the greatest thing I did ever. And then other times you're like, why? Why am I doing this? You know? And, you know, it's just like anything in life. You have bad days. You have good days, you know? And so from an organizing standpoint, I think there are a lot of things that we've figured out and that I want to be able to share with other store owners or other organizers who are trying to do organized play and trying to establish communities like this and grow their communities from one table to four tables to seven tables or whatever they can fit in their stores, you know? Yeah. You are so good at describing games, explaining them why they're fun, and then selling them to people and making sure they leave with this thing. So I just really, I have one challenge for you. Okay. If someone walked in and saw the starter pack and said like, oh, what's this? Could you think you could sell it to me? The D&D starter box? Just the D&D starter box. That's so easy. Then do it. I Please, (laughs) hit me with it. All right. So... Have you ever played D&D before? I've, I mean, I've heard about it. I watched Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Then you definitely want to go with the starter box. Okay. Because in it, not only is there a module right. that kind of walks you through how to run the game as you're running it, okay. but there's also another booklet that you can share with the players that has all of the rules and everything kind of easy to reference. And there's all kinds of materials and support online to take you further if you want to go there. It comes with a set of dice. Pretty much everything that you need to get started. I mean, that sounds really hard. Do you think I could be a dungeon master? Like, that's... I've never done anything like that before. Well, it's a collaborative storytelling experience. Okay. And so you're a player at the table, too. And you want to just make sure that 
you're sort of thinking about point A to B. What is the story you want to tell? And then from there, don't worry about all the little details. Don't get super like engrossed in all the things. Just sort of let the story kind of happen naturally and sort of give the other players an opportunity to sort of add to the story and add to the world as you go. If you have any questions, you can always email me. I'm happy to answer any questions. And we do learn to play classes all the time and learn to DMing classes all the time. So you can just pick my brain. But the book in itself and everything in here is uh, very self-explanatory for first-time Dungeon Masters. I'm sold. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> give me everything else. Um, give it to me out. Yeah, just give it, all, of those, all of those board games, I want them. Yeah. All right. I guess that's everything I have. Is there anything you want to plug or anything? Do you want to shout out the store? This is 20 Sided Store. Uh, you can find us on social media at 20 Sided Store or at 20SidedStore.com. All right. Thank you, Lauren. This was great. Awesome. Thank you.